Hello, and welcome to Husband and Wife Time, a podcast celebrating Lifetime movies. I'm Matt Capriletti. And I'm Elizabeth Blickle. And we are here today to talk to you about the 2014 film, The Girl He Met Online. It's Zima time. <laughs> it certainly is. This one stars one of the Zima sisters who are perfect in Lifetime movies. Yes. The Zimas who we've seen. There is one elusive Zima. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> oh boy, I can't wait to hear we've about not, that. Who we've not seen. Well, this one stars Yvonne. This one stars Yvonne Zima as Jillian. Mm-hmm. Jillian meets Andy via online mm-hmm. and... Not just any online, on phillydatescene.com. I did not notice that. Love it. <laughs> Well, this movie is ostensibly set in quote-unquote Philadelphia. I'll get into that later. Yes. But so the gist of it is she meets a guy online and complications ensue. Yes. Etc. I have to point out before we start talking about anything that throughout the entire movie, Jillian speaks in like a breathy, sexy whisper. Uh Uh-huh. It's very Santa Baby meets Happy Birthday, Mr. President. (laughs) If you were to describe her voice as a song. I can't do it. It's not a voice. It's not a tone. As you know, I have a very deep voice. I can't do that. And breathy doesn't work for me either unless I've been running. Highlighting the dangers of whom you might meet online. I also don't understand... Baby talk as sexy. Have we we've talked about this before on the podcast? Yes, this has come up in other films. I don't understand it one bit. Mm-hmm. Infantilizing someone to set a moment into a sexual terrain. I, that mm-hmm. to me is like I. It just has never made sense to me. Right. Anyways, we can move on from her voice <laughs> to her behavior, which was equally interesting. Yes. Oh. Okay, so the opening of this movie is pretty good. She gets dumped immediately by Tony. Pretty good. It's incredible. And, uh, well, it's not a mother's nightmare. No, that's true. You're right. Wait, what happens in a mother's nightmare? Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of the wrong one. Oh, it's no, not, you're like, um, um, Bad Tudor? It's not Bad Tudor, where, like, someone's pushed over a cliff mid-proposal <laughs> yes. in the first three minutes. Yes. But it's pretty good. So we meet Tony, who comes up a few times throughout the movie. Uh, He is, or was, Jillian's boyfriend of questionable degree of length and questionable degree of seriousness. Yes. She attaches very quickly to people. Mm -hmm. It comes up later how quickly she attaches to people. But so he says he's leaving for a business trip to Estonia. Yes. Which I loved because... I love Estonia. Great architecture. Very friendly place. I've never been, but I'm a fan. Go Estonia. Mm -hmm. They even cut in a uh, gratuitous uh, establishing shot of Tallinn uh, later in the film. Yeah, and I recognize some of the buildings. It's like, oh, I climbed up that one for a good view of the city. It's a great place to visit if you're looking for a travel destination, which... Who isn't looking for travel destinations in the middle of a pandemic? (laughs) So he has his things packed and he's leaving and he has packed her things, but he's packed her things. I don't know if you noticed this in a black and white lace print gift tote. No, I didn't notice him packing her things. No, her things were Uh pre-packed 
in a black and white lace tote. Uh-huh. But like a gift bag you would buy from like papyrus to give a birthday <laughs> present to someone. Yeah. It wasn't, it was not like, just my guess, a man, a single man in his 40s, because this guy was at least early 40s, living in a big house, you know, a jet setter who's taking trips to Estonia. Um, He... I don't see him as having a black and white birthday tote bag that he packs his girlfriend's stuff in. I see it in a pile on the counter mm-hmm. or maybe a grocery bag of okay. some kind. But the birthday tote bag stood out really? to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it made a... I mean, maybe that was his point to make it celebratory that he was getting rid of her. Yeah. Take this black and white lace tote and get out. <laughs> But he makes one big mistake, I thought, which was you don't dump someone and then leave them in your house. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a, you know, a bad firing where you're escorted out by security with the box they've prepacked for you. Right. You make sure that person exits mm-hmm. your residence, especially if you're going to be gone for a business trip length of time. Without doing damage, the key here. Yes. So she proceeds to... Do you want to get into her series of hijinks? Oh, yes. All right. I mean, we see her opening the fridge and seeing a wheel of soft cheese. Yes, it was a triple cream of some sort. I'm assuming, you know... Just playing the odds, I would guess it was something in the Brie family. And she says, just ripe enough or something to that nature before she puts it in his sports car. It's going to get real ripe in that sports car over the next two weeks or (laughs) however long he's in telling. I mean, she does the cheese thing. She spray paints a painting on the wall as well as his bed sheets. As well as his bed sheets and some of his clothes. She cranks his nice stereo up with classical music. Yes. Isn't she... She pours coffee on it later. She pours coffee on it as she's exiting. You want the music to set the tone for your vengeance scene. Yes. But then you want to dump the coffee on right as you're exiting so that you destroy the stereo as well. But she also dumps all of his toiletries, bottles and all, directly into the toilet and flushed, which I don't know what that would do except maybe overflow the toilet. I don't know what happens when you put 20 glass bottles into a toilet. Yes. But she also took scissors to his clothes and ties. Oh, that's right. And says, you want to cut ties, Tony? (laughs) Me too. Snip, snip, snip. Oh, yes, that was fantastic. But so this was a wonderful revenge montage for someone, you know, jilted lover or whatever. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I thought was great about this Tony thing is that Tony resurfaces later. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's not taking this rotting brie in his car lying down. (laughs) Not Tony. Not flying to Estonia on a business trip, Tony. He will not be pushed around like that. But what I thought was great about the Tony thing was that unlike some of the other movies where I feel like we're moving in a very slow way, I think one of the reasons that we really liked this when it came out and why it sort of stuck in our memory, aside from being part of a series of like the girl he met online, the boy she met online, the husband he met 
she met online. Yeah. The wife he met online. By the way, I want them to do so badly. I want them to do the boy he met online, the girl she met online, uh-huh. the wife she met online, mm-hmm. the husband he met online. As I said to Matt yesterday, let's get into that too. Anyways, but what I thought was good about the Tony plot and why we remembered it was that it sets up multiple plot lines. Yeah. I think the movies that read as slow to us are working only on one level. Right. So like girl meets boy and there's a complication. But in this one, it's girl meets boy. Also, girl has to deal with ex-boyfriend who she trashed his place wanting repayment for that yep and then there's the sexual harassment by her boss who's giving her money correct plot line we're working on multiple threads yeah and they all come to a head Mm -hmm. and i think when you have multiple storylines going rather than just like two main characters and then like supporting cast it tends to make the plot feel a little bit fuller yeah it really amps up the interest level yes otherwise you have to do sort of what a mother's nightmare did which worked with just one plot yeah and you really have to cram in tons of plot points to keep it going Mm -hmm. but so we move from this dumping this epic yeah dumping scene to her back in the dating game She's looking at online dating profiles, and they have videos? Yes. I don't even think that's a thing now, right? It might be. I, it's been a while. Does TikTok have a dating site? <laughs> I mean, all the dating things that I've heard about, both like back when they were sort of getting their start in like earlier decades, earlier times, it was like a profile and a picture, and you talked about yourself. Yeah. Sort of like... Dating online 1.0. And then I'd heard, you know, from friends that it moves to apps, but you're still getting like a profile mm. or like a shortened profile. You know, people don't want to read a long book now. Mm. They want it. They want you to get to the point and tell them who you are in like five words. Yeah. And then a series of pictures that you can look at. Right. I'd not heard any of my friends who were doing online dating say anything about this app has videos. Mm. Sort of like the old school, and I mean like 70s, 80s, where you would be like given tapes through a matchmaker. You've seen that on TV, right? I mean, I don't know. I wasn't even born in the 70s, but I'm saying like, you've never seen that on a TV show where like... No, I just think about personal ads if we're talking about the 70s. But that's... So it's kind of like personal... It's how it was shown, at least in the movie I can't think of a movie where they did this but how it's shown in like the movies or TV shows that I'm thinking of is like it was a ser- it would be a series of personal ads but they were videos so it'd be like my name is Bill I love fast cars and faster women oh and scotch or whatever but it was like it <laughs> but it would be a series of videos and the next one would be like my name is James. I'm from Texas, based obviously on this accent I'm able to produce. And <laughs> <laughs> and I like steak and horseback riding. or And then it was a series of videos you watched and you'd be like, no, no. And then there'd be like the perfect one. Uh-huh. You've never seen that in a movie? No. Okay. You've seen more classic films than I have. <laughs> Those classic, <laughs> you know... 
the, the classic films, Catherine Hepburn watching a series of personal ads yeah. videos. I think it was like video matchmakers type uh-huh. deal. Okay. How were they taking these videos? Though? I don't remember. Were they like recording on I've a 8-track v- or something? I've seen this once or twice in a movie. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I can't even remember the type of movie, but okay. it was like it was like personals, but like amped up so that it uh-huh. wasn't just like man takes woman two hundred words that you could put in there, like if you like pina coladas. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that it was like the person got to say if you like pina coladas. By the way, in this like video dating scenario in the seventies, if you like pina coladas, would never have worked because he would have seen that it was his yeah lady right. And she would have, you know, they would have found it out <laughs> earlier on. It's also an interesting song because, I mean, there's cheating going on and we're just supposed to be like on everyone's side that they're stepping out. Sure. I mean, it's hard to root for that. But anyways, um, <laughs> but so Andy in this, she's doing online dating, yep. but she sees a video Andy has made. Right. On phillydatescene.com. On phillydatescene.com, in which he says he wants someone attractive, not a Paris model or anything, yeah. just someone who looks good in jeans. Really good in jeans. <laughs> which, if you don't get what they're telegraphing to you with that looks good in jeans thing, contact us, because I'll explain the whole cool girl trope to you. Mm. But he's telegraphing cool girl. Not one of those fancy uptight Paris fashion models who, by the way, you wouldn't deserve, no offense, but why would a Paris fashion model date you? He is the scion of a marketing firm, an online marketing firm. He's called a computer consultant extraordinaire by one of his clients later in the film. Yeah, there's a lot of marketing. There are like marketing meetings and marketing client meetings and, you know... Do I assume the writer of this movie previously worked in marketing? No, I do not. It was like standard business speak. What about, we have some of the most high-tech web pages in the world. It didn't uh, make you feel that way. It was the part where they're like, we can track how long people stay on your homepage. And then if they click to other parts of the web page. And track that behavior. And, and then we, re- like, and then they said we rewrite the web page. Yeah, I was like, first of all, what marketing company completely re-engineers your website? I feel like yeah. a marketing company might tell you your website is bad, and then like maybe some of them design it or tell you strategies for how. But it doesn't. That feels like a website thing to me. Sure. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a website design company. It does not feel. And what they're describing is like a pretty basic algorithm. Sure. That's not something ex- particularly extraordinary that you do. That's algorithms tracking people online. But the way that Andy Collins and his mom and his sister Heather package all this up makes them the creme de la creme of the, sure. of the Philly website scene. Okay. So anyways, we get a dating montage at some point of them drinking beer Again, cool girl. Mm-hmm. And sexily eating raspberries that they did not pay for at the farmer's market. Uh-huh. Which, it is not a free sample bar at Costco. Someone grew that and you have to pay for it and then you get to taste uh-huh. it. It's always a gamble, but it's not a sample. And they were sexily eating these things they didn't pay for. And then... 
They're riding a pedicab while she's wearing a dress covered in cherries. I didn't know what to make of the, that. the print. Yes, it's, it's covered in a huge cherry print. I can't say I had. I don't know where I land on that. But for some reason, I couldn't get over it. So what I couldn't get over in that scene was, was the pedicab. Was the pedicab because the guy in wasn't Philly. well because the bike well the person pulling it was not pedaling, he was running. Oh, that's a real thing though. I think we would. So I guess technically we have to change that. Isn't that the name for that rickshaw? Oh. When some when you're like in a mm. carriage of of sorts, like a mini carriage. Okay. And the person is. Has two it's, handlebars oh, and pulls you. Is right. It, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So a pedicab, I think, is the pedaling one. And I think sure. a rickshaw is mm-hmm. where they pull you like that. Yeah. But anyway, so she, they do this uh, cherry-covered <laughs> rickshaw. Oh, and then they're sexily cooking together. Yes. Of course, classic dating milestones. What do you want to get into next? Should we talk about her stealing the $500 blouse for the party at aviation museum five hundred dollars that was nine hundred ninety nine dollars it was a thomas berry it was nine hundred what no no it wasn't i thought it said five hundred the price tag said nine hundred ninety nine okay unless there was nine hundred were nine hundred dollars sewn into a pocket of that blouse (laughs) no yeah see this is what i want your take on there are tops that you look at and you're like the fabric the construction this makes sense that that costs that much. There's this one Alexander McQueen dress that I really loved that I think it's called like the oyster or something. And it. Yeah, even I've heard of it. Okay. And it has, <laughs> well, you've probably heard of it because I talk about it all the time. But it looks like there are all these layers that yeah. make it look like the ridges of a shell. Yeah. And it's so gorgeously constructed. And you can tell hours and hundreds of hours at that mm-hmm. went into the construction of this there are tops that are like that too yeah where you're like okay this is either done by hand or the material is like a very rare material or whatever mm-hmm. this was like a pretty standard work blouse we're yeah. talking like j crew talbots you know but it's at Dottie's Boutique, Thomas Berry, and it looks like he designed it just for you, she says to, she to Jillian. Does. And then the and apparently this woman is selling, I thought it was 500 but this woman is selling $1,000 blouses that she doesn't have any sort of security measures on. Yeah. Because Jillian stuffs it into her huge tote bag. And we've talked about how tote bags in the last time mm. daytime bags for women big enough for a medical supply yes. unit and to steal a thousand dollar blouse yes but she she steals this blouse by stuffing it in her purse and no sensors go off nothing goes off she's just able to steal it but it comes back to bite her because at aviation museum which is what it's called uh-huh. she runs into the owner of the boutique yeah. while she's with Andy. Mm-hmm. And the woman vaguely threatens her a bunch of times and, until she goes into the bathroom and punches a hand dryer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, it was kind of weird. The shop owner was introduced as the wife of someone. And he's like, and when she kind of scares her off, you know, 
I'll be sure to keep Andy entertained while you're gone. Yeah, it sounded like she was hitting on him. Yeah. I'm sure what that line was intended to communicate, entertained in the sense of like, I'm going to tell him you stole that blouse from my boutique True. while you're gone. It was supposed to be a threat. Yeah. But she said it in a sexy way. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to be hitting on your boyfriend while you're gone. Yeah. Which is weird because she introduced herself by being like, well, was introduced by being like, I'm whatever my name is, my husband is on a business trip in Bahrain. That's right, yes. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I mean, I am I know married people flirt, but there's a difference between flirting casually and saying to the partner of the person, I'm going to keep him entertained while you're in the bathroom. Yeah. Like, that sounds like something's going to happen. Yeah. And that's a different Lifetime movie. We've also seen that movie. Yes. That's a different Lifetime It's movie. called Aviation Museum Seduction. Yes. But so she, Jillian, leaves this party having been threatened and her feels her relationship with Andy is in danger. Andy, the rich guy, who, I mean, that's primarily why she wants him is because he's cute, but he's also rich and she hates her mother for not being richer. Yeah. But so back at her mom's house, her mom says she looks nice in it and she rips the blouse off. Yeah. And like throw, you know, throws it down. It's trash because her mom likes it. Yeah. And then the next day she gets invited by Andy to dinner with his family and she asks if she can bring anything for dessert. And he's telling her they like lemon-based desserts. And all the while, she's in front of a bakery imagining, which I guess is just like a coincidence that she happened to be in front of a bakery when he called to invite her <laughs> to yeah. dinner with his family. Uh-huh. But, or maybe she just went there at 8 a.m. and parked herself outside the bakery, hoping the call Waiting would come Waiting for him through. to call, yeah. But so she then imagines them sexily taste testing red velvet wedding cake yes that was an amazing vision they've been dating for like three days and she's already red wedding cake or red velvet <laughs> not not the red wedding she's already it might be be a red wedding <laughs> oh, if yeah, he Jillian, breaks up with her jillian's there it's a red wedding situation but she's already deep into the fantasizing about this yeah soon to come life there are people trying to get in the way of this love story. The yeah. sister. Heather, yep. The shop owner, mm-hmm. et cetera. And then there's the obstacle of the doctor who Jillian works for. Yes. Harris, the OBGYN. Who's not presented as evil enough. He basically... He extorts her. Extorts her via sex. Yeah. First of all, he sexually harasses her. We learn that she's given... Or he's given her a car for having sex with him and he's like touching her and kissing her in the workplace and she obviously doesn't want him to no and i felt like that was presented in a very weird fashion yeah i don't know if they wanted us to take away from it that she wanted to be in that relationship Mm -hmm. like she chose to have sex with this doctor so that she could get the car and not have to work at work and Mm -hmm. all that other stuff because someone at work accuses her of not doing any work because of this arrangement. Mm -hmm. But the point I would make is, okay, so you're saying she's engaging in a transactional relationship with a married man. That's her choice. Yep. That's his choice. 
the way it's presented does not really get into the fact that because he threatens her to be fired, we've got a problem. Yeah. Like, a tra- I have no problem with transactional relationships where one person is getting money and the other person is getting sex. If both of you want that, that's fine with me. But I do have a problem when it's like, there's a transactional relationship and one of you has the power to remove the other person's employment. Mm -hmm. So that for me was where I felt like we were presented in a very odd way. He was presented as a creep, but it wasn't presented as a problem. Right. It just was part of Jillian's universe. Yes. It was, but he was presented as a creep because he was older and married. Yes. But the other stuff like him being a creep because he was her boss and this being a huge problem because he's her boss that stuff we didn't get no, into. No, because he's persistently saying, my wife's out of town. Let's and, get her that suite saying, at the Green Hills Hotel. And saying, like, you have to do this or I get to take the car back. Yeah. And, like, you have to do this or I'll fire you. So yeah. it's like, yeah. he has all the power. And yeah. that's the problem. And we didn't frame it right. Yeah. In terms of sexual harassment. Yeah, I, I don't like someone being extorted for yeah. sex. <laughs> So shocking. Hot take. <laughs> controversial. This just in. <laughs> Very controversial. I know. Is that the hill I'm willing to die on? I don't like people being extorted for sex. I suppose. I suppose. And I'm sure, you know, the internet will tear us to shreds for me taking such a horrible stance. <laughs> <laughs> so while she's having this extortion sex weekend at a hotel... She runs into Andy's sister and, of course, pushes her to her death. Yep. And that weekend, I just need to touch briefly, and I'm sure you do, on before the sister dies, she asks Andy and his extremely broy best friend, who also works in the office. Yeah. She asks them what their weekend plans are. Yes, I love this. We need to get into this. Okay, the response is... Beer, watching sports, more beer. And they say this as they are throwing a football back and forth (laughs) in the office. Uh Now, I get that we've got nepotism going on here because his mom runs the company. And so maybe the rules don't apply to him. Yeah. But typically you have to work during the work day. And also... Typically, you're not encouraged to throw balls where there are expensive computers yes. and other things that could be damaged by mm. a football. I mean, has no one seen the Brady Bunch? <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't throw balls where you don't want things to get hit. Noses, laptops, what have you. <laughs> but so they proceed to do this beer drinking, sports watching Guys night out. They're riding in a car together. And I don't know why it's crucial for me to note this, but they do an exploding fist bump. (laughs) Yes. And I just feel like Jillian has a type and her type is not my type. (laughs) Like the, what's his name? Uh, Tony. Tony struck me as like... International businessman Tony. (laughs) International businessman Tony. Struck me as kind of a tool. And ditto exploding fist bump, beers, sports, more beers. (laughs) 
Andy. He uh, kind of like as the movie proceeds, every interaction he has with his best friend starts to feel like a Budweiser fanfic commercial. <laughs> like it just like I don't know. Is that how men behave? How many exploding fist bumps have you done with a best friend? Very few. Now, if it's not a best friend, do you do exploding fist bumps with Always. just casual friends? Always. Okay. People on the street. So I want you to get into the dialogue that happens in the bar. You mean, I think Andy's friend's name is Ben. Who cares? And Ben <laughs> says, I guess recounting a story of romance, if one could call it that. He says to Andy, and that's when she said yes to meeting me in Atlantic City. Bro. She wants me. Now... The international city of romance. (laughs) Yes. I've actually been to Atlantic City on numerous occasions. Same. I have nothing bad to say about Atlantic City, except I'm confused as to why the girl had to meet him in a separate location, aside from the fact that we're trying to evoke a very, like, swingers entourage vibe for these guys. Yeah. Although, that being said, this movie ostensibly takes place in Philadelphia. Atlantic City is an hour plus away. My friends and I would go there during college, but I think the getting someone to meet you an hour plus away... Something about that would send flags up for me. Maybe they wanted to go to a show. I've been to a show in Atlantic City. I have a very talented musical theater friend who did a show there. Mm -hmm. I don't regret going to see it. It was lovely. Yeah. Is that what everyone goes to Atlantic City for? I don't know. My friend told me that. Concerts? My friend who did the musical told me that they had to. It was an abridged version, like a Reader's Digest version Uh of the play that. The musical that exists. And he was like, we're supposed to do it in. I think it was like an hour or 50 minutes and it would normally be like two hours long. It was because the casinos don't want you doing that. Mm-hmm. This is not him talking. This is me now talking out why. It's because every minute you're there, you're not gambling. Right. So they offer those sorts of things, but they don't really want you there. Yeah. But for me, the red flags are not because he might be proposing a concert or going to see a dear friend absolutely crush musical theater, which by the way... This fist exploding fist bump guy is not proposing going to see musical theater. You know, no. he's sports and beer and gambling, bro. She <laughs> wants me. But so. The only thing he left out from that was like, do you even lift, bro? <laughs> that guy doesn't lift. There's probably a weight room at uh, Collins Marketing Agency. Probably. But these were not like. It was interesting hearing the dialogue from these guys because just like casting types i wouldn't have chosen them for like particularly broy roles but i guess you don't have to be a physical type to be broy sure and i'm not critiquing their physical forms i'm just saying when i think broy i think like ronnie from jersey shore kind of yeah sure you know like jacked and like mm, mm, i believe you once called ronnie a thanksgiving parade float of a person he just looks (laughs) so you know muscles aren't my thing like big, big muscles. Like the Arnold Schwarzenegger look is like not, it's not my, my vibe. Um, but like, Lucky for it me. Doesn't, it doesn't make sense. At a certain point, 
the human body is not designed to sustain muscles of a certain size. It looks unnatural to me. So someone like Ronnie, I get how much time goes into looking that way, but center of gravity feels off to me. It okay. feels top heavy. Like you might fall over. Like the shoulders are so big. The sure. arms are so big. Everything just feels proportionally enhanced. But maybe that's... What appeals to Azima, as long as that's attached to a bank account. She didn't care one bit. He could have been thin and scraggly and whatever. She would have been fine with him, so long as the swollen thing was not his body. That sounds so dirty. So long as the (laughs) thing that's inflated is his bank account. Yes. That was what she was invested in. But just going back to the friend, if you had proposed an out-of-town first date so many red flags would have gone up. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of effort, first of all. If both of them live in Philadelphia, it's like, why do we need to go to a second location? Yeah. <laughs> How bad does she want to sleep with this guy? She does want you, but she only wants you Atlantic City distance. That's not <laughs> not something I would, you know, that's not a real feather in your cap. <laughs> it's like a feather you found on a walk it's like a shed feather you just put it in your hair it's not a real you know wouldn't brag about it so anyways after this riotous weekend during which his sister is pushed down the stairs speaking of feathers she's pushed fairly softly down the stairs to her death and it's a half flight of stairs because it's you know the kind that like switchback stairs so she must have really just hit in the perfect i.e. imperfect angle to snap her neck. Yeah. Because I've fallen down a full flight of stairs, granted not head first, but I live to tell the tale. So maybe it's all about falling head first that makes it likelier for... Yeah. So Jillian comes back from her sex weekend with the doctor, which she's lied and said she was visiting relatives in New York. And... The doctor finds out she drugged him with sleeping pills. Yes. That she wrote on his prescription pad, which feels like one of the sloppier poisonings we've been given. It's a bit short-sighted. You wrote a prescription (laughs) for sleeping pills on the prescribing pad of the person you're going to poison. And Mm. you didn't give them kill them sleeping pills amount. You gave them sleep a long time amount. How has Dr. Beck's uh, patients never done this? Well, because they're usually the ones being attacked. Good point. Not attacking. Yes. Except for patient's revenge. Yeah. Anyways, so he fires her and she shoves some papers off his desk. And then Tony, ex-boyfriend, crime victim Tony, arrives at the office at the moment she's being escorted out. Right. And so does Andy. Yeah. So all of her lies come unraveling. Mm Mm-hmm. So Andy dumps her and gives information about all of her lies to a cop because he's starting to suspect that she killed his sister because there's a voicemail from his sister saying she saw Jillian with a man at a hotel Mm -hmm. right before she died. So she goes to her mother's house, right? Mm -hmm. And she is frustrated and her mother just trying to show some compassion for her and she ends up on top of her choking her and then the detective who andy went to busts in to pull her off and then andy's following in hot pursuit behind the detective so he's also there and i love how she says as she's being taken away andy 
You've come back. <laughs> yeah, Andy was there 45 seconds after the cop, and he's like cradling her mother, who he's met once yeah. for one minute. Uh-huh. And the subject they were speaking about was Jillian's trip to New York, which she claimed her mother went on with her. And there was no trip to New York. So his only conversation with this woman was when he discovered a lie Jillian had told him. So right. it wasn't like a pleasant converse. It's not like they'd had dinner together. But he still has warm feelings towards her because he sees how, I guess, she's been harmed by her own daughter. Maybe? I don't know. It is strange. It's very odd. So then we have a scene where Jillian is admitting to the murder... And she's saying that she did it because if Andy found out about her having sex with her boss, he would break up with her. And so she did it all for Andy. I did it for us. That's how much I love him. And then we have a scene with Andy, Jillian's mother, and Jillian's sister at Andy's sister's grave. Yes. Very strange. The first strange thing for me was that the grave, it's a gravestone on the ground. It looked like a genuine sheet of paper printed out from a laser jet printer. Like a home, like the printer I print my notes out for this. It looked like that. It said whatever her name was. Heather Collins. Heather Collins and the year she was born and the year she died. Beloved sister or whatever. But it was on printer paper. And that was the sum total of her gravestone. And then I just, why were those three people there? And where was Andy's mother? We couldn't get Andy's mother for this scene yeah. too. I don't understand. She was in craft services eating a breakfast burrito. He had not spent, he had not spent significant time with Jillian's mother or sister. Yeah. And their relative was the reason his relative is deceased. Yeah. I'm not saying I would hold those people responsible, but I also don't put in his shoes, why am I spending time with these people? Right. We had no relationship prior to my sister's death. We should not have gravesite relations now. Right. Like that's a level of familiarity and intimacy that we have not achieved. Yeah. You should not be comforting me at the gravesite. Right. And where's my mom? Mm-hmm. But I, I felt like it was part of a larger thing, which was this movie was very good, but I did feel like it slowed down. And it I did. think you felt the same way. Uh-huh. First of all, I don't know why the choking with the mother was the climactic scene. That felt incorrect to yeah. me. But also, we should have ended with that climactic scene. Her confession was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You mean we should have ended at the doctor's office? or No, I'm or... saying we should have ended with the like fight scene, uh-huh. which is how we often end. Sometimes we end with that big fight scene. And then sometimes we're given like a bow tying up kind of scene where it's like happy family at a breakfast table or the villain is now in prison cutting up construction paper <laughs> hearts yeah. or in a mental health facility hitting on someone yeah. or whatever. We had two of those scenes. We had the family resolution at the gravesite scene yep. and we had her in custody scene. Yeah. I think we needed neither of those and probably a different scene. Sure. But we also needed a different confrontation. Yeah. The confrontation with the mom being the climactic thing. Yeah. It didn't work for me. I felt like the movie slowed down toward the end. Mm -hmm. 
but still so good and Zima was so good that it didn't really matter. Yeah. Okay, so what else do you want to talk about about this movie? Uh, only other thing that I wanted to mention is just some of the little notes about the movie being set in quote-unquote Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. And we might get here. It seems like they tried to do the Philadelphia police logo. There's a, there's a scene where Jillian is at a Philly bus stop. They okay. even have the SEPTA logo at the bus stop. But other than that, I guess it's all fake addresses and things. So I'm curious why they decided to make it set in Philadelphia. Um, because it's one of several Lifetime films that are set in Philadelphia. And I wonder if somebody at Lifetime or uh, in connection with this film is a Philadelphian and, and wants to um, set it there for some reason. Maybe. I also think... So in terms of like where we're picking for setting these movies, mm -hmm. a lot of them are set in California or places right. that feel like California mm -hmm. because you can tell it's California right. in the filming. Mm -hmm. This was clearly, at least to me, unless it was filmed in Northern California, it was not filmed in California. Right. And so I wonder if it was actually filmed somewhere like Toronto, mm -hmm. but they always set them in the U.S. Yeah. I'd be happy with them setting them in Canada. As I've said before, love Canada. Yeah. But I think they always set them in the U.S. because Lifetime is a U.S.-based mm -hmm. channel or whatever. But so the quality of light, I think, might affect it. Mm -hmm. Like it, if you're filming in a grayer light mm -hmm. tone, like the quality of the sunlight, yeah. you can't set it in Los Angeles. Right. So you have to set it somewhere on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. But to your point, they don't set things in Boston. They don't, not that we've seen really. Except for that Christmas film in Worcester. Okay. Which and was they, not even Boston. And they infrequently set things in New York. I think because they understand that New York streets are very small and yep. look different than a mm -hmm. lot of city streets. Yeah. But yeah, that's my guess for why it's Philadelphia. But mm -hmm. I do think that there have been enough that you wonder if someone at one of these production companies does have some connection to Philadelphia, yeah. so they're making reference to it. Yeah. And to your point, the fact that they cared enough to use the correct bus, yeah, that feels like something someone would just use because they knew. Even the taxi, they bothered to put the 215 area code on. And we don't do fact-checking for these movies, I don't think. So to your point, someone at the production company or maybe the writer had a Philly connection. And it does come up frequently yeah. that movies are set in quote-unquote Philadelphia. A lot of holiday movies are set in Philadelphia, too. Mm -hmm. Like the woman leaves Philadelphia and then goes home to her poinsettia farm or whatever. <laughs> Which, before we get into trivia, uh -huh. if you guys have not clapped eyes on the list for It's a Wonderful Lifetime this year, please do. Oh, yeah. It looks great. It came out a few days ago, and, well, at the point that we released this, it'll probably have been two weeks, which means you should have read it. You should have read it ten times, and you should be familiar with who's in what and when. Mm -hmm. Smokey Robinson. I mean, we're getting some great, yeah, great movies this year. I'm very excited about them. Reba McIntyre, Chad Michael Murray as a model train enthusiast. I want to see if his acting skills can extend to that. <laughs> we we are consistently confused by the 
I know One Tree Hill was popular, and I know that exclusively because I know it was on the air for like 12 years or something like that. And so I know people have, some people have a connection to One Tree Hill. Get it. But the continued career of Chad Michael Murray (laughs) is, I don't want to say it's a mystery that keeps me up at night, but it's. (laughs) There is a level of confusion I have about that, particularly because, and if you've listened to a single episode of this, I've mentioned boy bands in basically every episode. (laughs) You know that I love boy bands, particularly from the era that I was growing up and probably well into when I should have been listening to cooler music. He looks like he was in a boy band in the 90s. Tell me he doesn't look like he was an LFO. LFO. <laughs> like if you just pushed him into a picture of the members of LFO, like photoshopped him in, do you think it would look out of place? You know, I don't remember what the members of LFO look like. R.I.P. Rich. Um, R.I.P. Rich, indeed. It's the only reason they haven't reunited and it makes me really sad. And now I'm proposing something to you. Living members of LFO, and I do not mean this as a disrespect to Rich Cronin, who, yes, I do know his full name, and I may have pronounced it incorrectly, but you know I know it. Do I own your album? You know I own your album. This is said with no disrespect. I am proposing reunion tour with Chad Michael Murray. Oh, my. You get the One Tree Hill fans. You get the Nostalgia fans. I'm there. I I told you I'm baffled by Chad Michael Murray's continued success. Sure. But I'm not baffled by your continued success. So I will be there if you do that reunion tour. And I think aesthetically, he's a fit. (laughs) But I don't get him for Lifetime Christmas movies. Uh When I picture men who I want to like see chopping wood Mm -hmm. and then like building a fire and who I want to make a cup of cocoa for when they come inside after chopping <laughs> all that wood. <laughs> Someone who I want to hang hand-blown glass ornaments on a tree with. Uh-huh. Is it Chad Michael Murray I'm doing it with? It is not. You know, Ryan McPartland comes to mind. Who's that? He's the one who was the decorator in Twinkle All the Way. You know, the two brothers and their mother yeah, named yeah, Twinkle. Yeah. Twinkle. And, and the, he has the uh, the daughter. He's the main... He's a, yeah, he can... We can decorate a tree. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, and, I get it. And he and the female lead, they, they were swapping uh, chocolate, chocolate recipes. That's why you're thinking yes. of him, probably. Yes. Yeah, he can... He makes sense to me. I understand women being attracted to him. Granted, I tend not to be attracted to blondes. So that might be part of it. Yeah. Get ready for Christmas. Yeah. We're very excited. The only issue I have, I was told by my co-host that last year, It's a Wonderful Lifetime started on, your words, October 24th. Uh, October 25th. Okay. I was slightly wrong. But your words, October 25th. Yes. Now, according... To the press release. That's true. It does not start until First November. First movie premieres what I would describe as dangerously close to mid-November. Yes. Is it like November 12th? 12th. It's November 12th. Oh my. 
So I ask you, sir, are they playing old movies starting in October? Mm. Or are we, are they actually pushing back the date? Are they doing a reverse pumpkin spice latte where instead of creeping forward in the calendar every year, now you're telling me it's a wonderful lifetime is creeping back closer to the actual holiday it celebrates? (laughs) I cannot have that. (laughs) If I am not able to watch a Christmas movie while trick-or-treaters come to our house, (laughs) I will throw an absolute tantrum. Well, maybe they'll play. No the candy will be given out this year. <laughs> the house will be shrouded in black, but not to celebrate Halloween. <laughs> Everything will be covered. Lights out. Me lying on the floor, depressed. <laughs> and if you knew our house, you'd know that that's me lying on stone floor. So it's a real sadness. <laughs> I will be giving no candy. I will be unable to come to the door (laughs) if I'm not also watching someone from a TV show in the 90s fall in love in a small town and give up their big city career. (laughs) What is fall if not Christmas movies? Yeah, (laughs) Anyways, okay. Proving that this movie was filmed in Canada... Ava Preston, who played young Jillian, okay. played Lena Kincaid on what two shows? Degrassi High? Degrassi The Next Generation and Degrassi Don't Look Back. Oh. Sally Clelford, who was billed as girl in gift shop, so I think she was the clerk, uh-huh. went to high school with what extremely famous Canadian? Female Canadian. Rachel McAdams? Chanteuse. Celine Dion? No. Younger. Shania Twain? Younger. I think. Maybe. Carly Rae Jepsen? Coavals. Older. Uh, let's see. Extremely famous. Not that, I mean, you've said extremely famous people. Mm, right. Iconic. And one of her famous songs has a word that rhymes with iconic. Oh, Alanis Morissette. Yes. Thank you. So she went to Immaculata High School with Alanis Morissette. Very Canadian. Mm. Peter Michael Dillon, who played Barry, whoever that was, played Officer Jameson in an episode of Degrassi, The Next Generation. Okay. Tara Spencer Nairn, who was Bethany... Who was the sister? The sister, mm-hmm. not the sister who passed. The sister who Jillian's sister. Jillian's sister yeah. played Mrs. Baker in Degrassi High. Don't look back. No, Degrassi: The Next Generation. Okay. Sean Roberts, who played Andy Collins, played Dean in. It's Canadian. I've said it like four times. Degrassi High in it to win it. Degrassi the next generation. He also played Owen in a pilot of a show that did not get picked up called The Virgin of Akron, Ohio. What? And the plot synopsis is 
a model who returns home to Ohio before suffering a brutal car crash, leading some people to believe she was sent from God. I don't understand that plot synopsis. There's a lot I want to talk. So like the Madonna virgin. Like, okay. I don't know. She's sent home. She survived. She goes to Ohio before she survives the car crash. Uh But why does that lead people to believe she was sent from God? Why would a car crash, like why would being a victim of a car crash lead people to believe you were sent from God? The shame is we'll never know. I've got so many questions. Send it to series. I need to know. (laughs) Okay. John McLaren, who played Benny. Bro, she wants me, Benny. (laughs) Was in a movie called Sweet as Maple Syrup. (laughs) He was also Peter in a Christmas movie that came out, I don't know, I don't think it was last year. It is one of our favorite bad movies, good but but very odd movies. There's an ampersand in it. It's a Christmas movie. Sugar and Spice? Excuse me. Correction, Liz. Oh, no, no, last It year. is a holiday movie. And I, the emphasis I just made should tell you which movie I'm talking about. Oh, Mistletoe and Menorahs? He was Peter in Mistletoe and Menorahs. Oh my gosh! Which we have not covered, folks, but it has so many odd conversations about Judaism. You would think Judaism was like some very unknown, small religion that you couldn't possibly... Everything they tell you about Judaism in the movie... I, as a non-Jewish person, already knew, but they act like it's all very strange and inexplicable, despite the fact that Judaism and Christianity have so much in common. Yeah. Specifically, the Old Testament. (laughs) But, But there's this one scene where a woman who's dating a Jewish guy, they're talking about Hanukkah. Uh And about donuts being eaten, jelly-filled donuts being eaten on Hanukkah. And she says, what is the line she says? It's Hanukkah. It's so random. I thought it was Judaism is so random. But it's, she says something is so random, Hanukkah or Judaism, neither of which are random. And also donuts are so they're universal. Yes. What are you talking? It was a very weird line. Yeah. It deserves a watch. It's an interesting movie. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I basically just want to talk about Christmas movies. <laughs> if they don't start playing them in October, I'm going to throw a temper <laughs> Holiday movies. Correction. I'm open to any movie you want to set in the winter. Any religion. And in, and in fact, I'd love to move away from just Christmas. Mm-hmm. Give me some other religions. Anyways, I can't get off of it, but I have to. Okay. Mary Margaret Humes, who played the mother. That name sounds familiar. Well, she played Gail, Dawson's mom on Dawson's Creek. Oh my gosh. That's why she's familiar. But IMDb told me some stories about her that are worth a mention. Mm-hmm. She's the former Miss Florida and third runner-up to Miss USA 1975. Okay. But the story that I thought was interesting was 
She was discovered by advertising her photo, name, and phone number on a billboard visible from 20th Century Fox studio lots. Mel Brooks saw it, phoned her, and asked her to read for a part in History of the World Part 1. Really? And she ended up playing the role of Miriam. Wow. That is a casting success story I would not have expected to work. Yeah. Getting into the reason for the season. (laughs) Yvonne Zima, who played Jillian. She is the younger sister of Madeline and Vanessa. She was born in Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Oh. She said she completed a novel by the time she was 16. Reading one or writing one? I hope she'd read a few by the time she was 16. She wrote one. She has only ever submitted one short story, which she wrote when she was 15. So we had a lot of output in the teen years called Drowning in L.A., which was published in AIM magazine in 2006. I cannot find which AIM magazine we're referring to, but I really hope it was an AOL magazine. (laughs) But the other magazine that I found when I typed AIM magazine into Google was an Artists in Miniatures magazine for people that make miniatures. So I kind of hope it was in that too. And it was the thing that was drowning is like a tiny little person drowning in LA, like a tiny miniature LA. Like in a diorama. Like in a diorama. Love it. Put it on Billy. <laughs> she played Sarah in Christmas Every Day. Hmm. She was also Daisy Carter in 136 episodes of The Young and the Restless. Oh. She played Miss Elkridge in Iron Man 3. So oh. she's in that area. Big deal. She played Young Porn Queen in The Nice Guys, which is a big budget movie. Mm-hmm. And she also was in Killing Mommy... And Killer Prom, which is how we are familiar with her. Yes. Not Iron Man 3, but (laughs) Killing Mommy and Killer Prom. Yes. I believe Killer Prom is the one where we've seen her in. I think we've seen Killing Mommy as well. Doesn't she she play both twins? Oh, I don't know. Or is she starring with her sister? I forget. I don't think we've seen the Zimas together, so maybe she plays both twins. If she doesn't. Lifetime, we just pitched you a movie. Yeah. Yvonne Zima plays twins. Zima time. We'll move, we'll move from there to f- give you a fully fleshed out plot, but that's a movie I want to see. That's a really good round of trivia. Anything else you want to say about LFO or Christmas movies or Chad Michael Murray? Not at this time. Okay. <laughs> I reserve the right to talk about them some more and i just have to do it we were talking about christmas go listen to under my tree why haven't you listened to it yet (laughs) i'm not getting kickbacks for this by the way this is done purely out of love (laughs) an appreciation for art love for you and love for the song itself if you want to get in touch with us you can email us at husbandandwifetime at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at husbandwifetime or on instagram at husbandandwifetime if you like this episode please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts thanks bye bye